When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince McCoco. It is Monday night, 8 o'clock, 8.03 to be exact, here in Louisville. And uh, it is a mighty beautiful time to talk about football. Ladies and gentlemen, Louisville coming off of one of the biggest wins in the last 10, 15 years of the program over Notre Dame and uh, a little rushing the field, flooding the field as, as one Vince LaCoco calls it. We're going to get into all that tonight. Tons of uh, good stuff to talk about from the Notre Dame game. Uh, and of course, we'll look ahead this weekend to Pittsburgh. But uh, welcome in some fellas here. Vince LaCoco joins me as always. Press Meyer jumps in for Matt, who's got softball tonight. Uh, and Presley's not wearing the Mason Ryger jersey. I always wondered if yeah. he like showered in that, slept in it, you know, just like went to work <laughs> in it under his suit. Uh, thankfully, he does take that off and wash it. But uh, Press is joining us tonight. Uh, and so we got a packed house, a lot to get into. We were all there. It, let's just start with the experience. Definitely felt like old times. Like it's like riding a bike. We got back on it and it was like, oh, this is how you show up on time and cheer for a top 25 football team. Yeah, it was pretty sick. I mean, it was. Packed house, you know how we are, Jacob. We we usually send our little section up there in the top, right? How me and Max and uh, Emmy and the rest of us, and you know we're walking in, and I'm like, Max, I'm just gonna I'm gonna look up where the open seats are up there, and I looked it up, and I'm like, oh well, we better get to row XX up there at the top. So we went up to the very top of the end zone, and I mean, it was packed house. It was awesome. I mean, awesome. The the atmosphere was incredible. And we're going to talk about all the fun stuff of the game. We'll get into that here in a second. But it's officially hate week on this podcast, by the way. It's hate you... week. Yeah, yes. you're you're starting early. No, no, October thirteenth. Your Eastern Eagles take on my Trinity Shamrocks. Oh man, wow! The game of the century. The one game of the century. It's about, officially man. hate week on this podcast. I mean, wow, yeah. man. I could tell you about all the stories of of Eastern defeating Trinity, but 
there are none. So I won't, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but press, what do you think, man? What was your your game like uh, experience? Like, yeah, I know you uh, you've got some interesting seats with some interesting folk, a little mix of old and new, uh, some happy, some grumpy. What was your experience like? Grumpy. Uh, yeah, I mean, my experience. So I guess going back to two weeks ago, we traveled down to NC State. And that was that was a great experience. Like NC State would be NC State reminds me of if Louisville was like a true college town. How like, about those trees? Those trees are fantastic. The trees are they lived up to the hype. Like I didn't understand what you're talking about. Then I got there, I was like, wow, there are a lot of trees. It's a it's like, a very football atmosphere. Like when you drive up to the stadium and it's it fall is. And, and you smell and the trees. I like that NC State is that. Like it's it's a that bowl kind of like the Liberty Bowl, uh, yeah. The Titan Stadiums like that where you walk in on the main concourse and then you go down instead of going up. Mm-hmm. So you're really in the middle of that of the trees. Like you you're just it's kind of odd. But overall, the atmosphere at NC State was great. But I'll tell you guys the difference between NC State and Louisville and the Louisville game against Notre Dame was NC State is loud. And I get that that that's distracting, that's impactful. But Louisville fans are in, are what's the word that I want to use here? They bring the energy. I think that's the, the best way to put it. There's a different energy in Cardinal Stadium. It's not fake juice. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I you did not feel that at all at NC State. When you're traditional and you're rigorous and you go through the motions and half the people show up because that's what you do when you're a student at NC State, right? Or you're a student at Notre Dame or you're a student at at uh, Texas or whatever. Every person is getting hammered and then, you know, sneaking drinks in or just going in and just standing on the metal bleachers for five hours. And that's college football in like 80 percent of college towns. And that's great. They can get loud and they have their traditions and they have their, you know, the, the band is great and student sections massive. But when you get down to it, it is not very intense. Uh, now, there we had some run ins with fans, you know, fans wanted to get into it with Lola fans and. Uh, you know, we made peace with each other and all of that. But overall, the, the atmospheres don't even compare. And you saw a lot of Notre Dame fans coming into the game. They're like, oh, well, you know, Louisville doesn't fan well and this, that, and the other. Oh, and we'll get God. into that. We'll let the we'll let the the results on the field speak for themselves. We'll let the results in the stands speak for themselves. By the way, way more than 59,000 whatever people there. And I was reading on Twitter this morning as well. A lot of people said they didn't get their tickets scanned. Uh, so there was, you know, one person here, four people there where it just got towards game time. And they were just like, just show me your tickets and go in. So there's going to be, I don't know what's going to happen there, but there's going to be some backlash from some of the fans because everybody wants their perfect attendance. You You're get damn straight. You get rewards. Like I don't, I don't go into the game unless they scan both my tickets. Um, so a lot of people didn't get their tickets scanned going into the game. So I want to see what the Cardinal Stadium is like against Kentucky if they actually scan all of the tickets. Because I guarantee you there's more than 60,000 people there for sure. Now we have a ticket scanning conspiracy uh, going on now. Yeah, Yes, there is. Ticket gate. (laughs) Ticket gate. Ticket gate, man. It's crazy. Overall, though, atmosphere, fantastic. My seats personally, and if you sit around me and you saw me, you know, this is nothing against you personally, but our section sucks. I sit sit in that section. So you have the two bottom 100 student sections. So it's like 110 and 111, I think. And then you have 211. I sit in 210, which is the first section. It's kind of like, it's like half alumni, half like 
you know, new season ticket holders or whatever. And what happens is a lot of people buy those tickets and I think they give them away for corporate stuff or they give them away to Notre Dame fans or whatever it was. The vibes are just off. Uh, first of all, half the students come in, you know, the, the, the ones that are sitting in the top rows, they come in hammered and then they're just going to go down into the student section. And so everybody stands there and waits. So they've adopted this new thing where you have to show your ticket every single time you go up to the seats. So like if I have the tickets and Megan is sitting with me, I, she has to have a screenshotted copy of the ticket so she can come back up to our seats. And now <laughs> all this, all the hammered students come up there and stand right in my way. And so I have to stand up. And then you know how I am. I'm being me. I'm making noise. I'm in the aisles. I'm running up and down. I'm trying to get people hyped. You need to be up towards the top. You do not was, belong down like that low. In the yeah, bowl. man. They don't appreciate you down there. You need to be, you know, further up uh, in the the where the true fans are, right? The ones who are in there, just they don't care. They're just there to make noise and be loud because 215 yeah. is fucking rocking and rolling. Like my section is, and you all, Presley, you and Megan hung around there for a little bit and got to experience. I mean, we sit right with the collision course tailgate folks. There's a ton of other people around us. You have a mix of students. You have a mix of adults. It is a party in our section, and we cheer the entire time. Uh, and so I know that I saw tweets, though, people talking about other sections, fans getting upset about standing up. And it's just like it, it's very annoying. But, like, we, we got to work the nuances out of getting back and being fans, like, at this yeah. magnitude. This Guys, we're people. good at football. Stand up and cheer for the damn That's team. That's right. But, like, I leaned, over, I leaned over to my neighbor at one point, and I said this jokingly, right? But I'm like, man, I do wish when it was 25,000 people because it didn't take me an hour to get a beer like or mm -hmm. go pee. I mean, it took forever to do everything, but it was just every every ounce of, of atmosphere and everything in there was just positive almost all the way around. Opposite. I like all my beer lines that I went to up towards the top where the beer deck, flight deck is or whatever you want to call it. Beer garden. I'm, You'll beer get garden. there someday. Yeah, whatever we want to call it these yeah. days. It's a beer garden. BBG, Vince's beer garden. Exactly. <laughs> but but beer lines are pretty short up there, but you did have to go down below to take a piss. That was that sucked. The bathroom lines were silly, man. And bro, and, and, I was I was full sprint down that freaking those stairs to use the restroom I had to go so bad. Breathing yeah, heavy as hell getting to the bottom. I, I went like, down oh. three times between the second quarter, halftime and third quarter to try to go to the bathroom. And every time I was like, there's no way. It's like, there's no way it's happening. Like, no, I, I you got to hold it at that point, man. Like, yeah. it was, there's a lot of people holding peas in all, all game. All right, like, just Jacob, all game. Why, why, why'd you not flood the field? You, it's a great question. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be quite honest with you here. Okay. So I went with a friend who, uh, Saturday morning, uh, hurt his ankle and he has a history of ankle injury. So think of this, Vince, if this was your knee. Okay. We got to the game. I think he was limping. He was struggling a little bit, but my God, Dylan went to the national championship in 2013 on crutches, but this one was just a little too much getting down onto the field. He was willing and able to do it. And I told we him were, no, for this we case, we will not field do it before it even started. They were it's, letting us on the field. I know, but here's the difference, wild. right? I saw the security. I thought we were going to have a whole like band on the field situation. Like <laughs> somebody scored and everybody gets ran just, into. It just starts like when they hit kick the second field goal. And we're going to get into this. We were spending way too much time in this portion of the show, it but it's, it's worth it talking about. No, it's I worth mean, talking yeah. about. I started to see, you know, the seats emptying people slowly, much like last year, Vince, when we did it for Wake Forest, starting to slowly get down there. But I, I, one, obviously remember what happened last year because of the article that Presley wrote of the, the poor kids that, uh, that got arrested, charged with some That's stupid crimes. Completely but different like, vibe. <laughs> exactly. Right. It, last year was, was the amateur hour version of that. 
that. This time they were letting everybody through. And I just, I wasn't sure what to expect. And when you have a friend with a bum ankle, like he's willing and able to do it. And I'm like, man, I can't have us get arrested because you, you can't run on your on bum your ankle, man. That's, that's I you dropping the bag look, as a friend. I got to come to the show and I got to just be truthful with you guys. I got to admit to my sins. I, I was offered the opportunity to do the halftime competition pregame no. and I turned it down, man. I was too nervous. So I know. I know, I man. Too. Presley, too, to be fair. We I both did. What? But Presley what definitely doing? pushed me to do it more than he pushed himself to do it. So. Oh, no, no. There's, so, yeah. there's no way. So, so here's the thing. I, I know. Especially you, Presley. I thought you would do this 100%. Well, and you know, I have a, I have a football player in the house now. So I'm used to throwing, like, I know the routes. I know, like I'm getting there with my football abilities. Like at the age of 30, I'm finally getting there. Uh, <laughs> however, I'm used to like that, uh, a middle school size football, essentially those <laughs> college footballs. I'm not getting out there with that college football. Like I can, <laughs> I can slang that middle school football. Like I'm telling you, like we'll go out there on the field before games. Like I can throw that that thing, you know, 45, 50 yards, which is not bad. Man, that's but... the last time Lottie throws us a bone. <laughs> well, let's, it, wasn't it wasn't one of them. I don't Lottie. know. Who, I, and first of all, I also was a little unsure if they were like official or if they were just taking people's names and numbers. Like it kind of felt oh, a little unofficial. Right. It felt very unofficial. The guy didn't have any like Louisville gear on. It was very some random guy asking if you want to yeah. go out there and throw football. And he was like, "Here, <laughs> sign up for it." And I'm like, "No, man, I'm good. I'm good." So partially, I you know. Maybe that was the excuse I needed to not do it, but it that is. That guy got kind of close, though. I don't know if you saw it. I did. I did. I didn't leave my seat, uh, unfortunately, at halftime. Well, not unfortunately, but wh where were you going to go? I mean, everyone else, all 59,000 people decided to go into the concourse. Uh, but I do miss the days of being packed in there like sardines, whether it be like getting into your seats or like it's at your seats in the concourse because the concourse is just not built for that many people in one area when it's that many people, garden. but we're all here for it, man. I didn't go up there. I wasn't doing it. I couldn't, I did pregame beers, but could not go back up there. Cause there's no getting down at that point. Uh, but anyways, let's, let's actually talk about the game. Let's talk about what happened on the field. What a night all around. One of the best played defensive football games from Louisville. I have seen in a long time, a group that on paper was talking to Notre Dame fans before, like, man, you're all, you know, front four. They're talking about Louisville is, is pretty undersized, you know, or, or linebackers or, or former safeties. Like, it seems like this is going to be a game built for Notre Dame to really dominate up front. And right from the get-go, I mean, Sam Hartman, I don't know if he got like saw Yaya at the corner of his eye on the sideline or what it was, but like ghosts quickly appeared for Sam Hartman. And it went from the turnover from the interception to more interceptions to fumbles. And it was just this, like, no freaking way this is happening again. Like, are you kidding me? You couldn't write this any better than Sam Hartman being Sam Fartman turnover machine. Like, that. I got to give the, the, the Twitter account that tweeted that graphic out so many times and took so much fleck from Notre Dame fans and is spot on. Sam Hartman did not change. He just put on a, a fancier gold helmet. Like, that's all it was. Same guy. Uh, and it was incredible to watch the defense come alive, the pass rush come alive. Uh, and and just in front of the largest crowd in UofL history, like it was so great for the first time to not see the Adidas logo in the end zone. Like I've literally never seen that covered up ever. Like you can always see patches of it. No, fully covered. Flight deck almost packed. That's right. Not even by tarps, That's a man. scary angle to watch a game at too. Like, it that is, is straight down, game. man. Kudos yeah. to anybody sitting up there. Especially like the one seat in the peak, like, you know, because it works. I went up there here, before man. whenever it was like, done to see what it looked like i mean you got to go see what it looks like and it's 
freaking yeah. terrifying. I sat there for the Indiana State game, and it was so wet, which every seat in the house was wet, but very much puddled in that part of the stadium. But let's talk about this game, all right? 33-20 to 20 is the final score. Uh, Louisville uh, moving to 6-0, and Notre Dame 5-2 and two now on the season. Louisville really uh, just dominated, as I mentioned, defensively. They held the team to 1.7 yards per carry, uh, a team that came in with Audric Estime being one of the, the best rushers in the entire country. I mean, a guy who had the speed, had the power, had the, the ability to do whatever he needed to to dominate a game. This was a game where Louisville played the way that Notre Dame plays. They played with a strong run game. They fed the studs in Jawar Jordan. They got him going. He had uh, he continued to be dominant and had a great game. And then they complemented it with strong defense uh, and moving the ball through the air in a very, um, I don't want to say conservative way, but a very methodical um, and a very uh, meticu- meticulous approach to not throw interceptions, right? I know he threw the one, but still overall a really solid game for the, for Louisville. And I want to jump right into Vince's game notes. I had so many people saying they could not wait for this week because the film had a lot of great stuff from like fake blitzes to you got Travis Hunter out there on special teams and Brock Travelstead doing his thing, you know, punt, pass, kick, doing it all, man, literally at this point, uh, to the defense balling out the pass rush getting there. So Vince, my friend, let's walk through Vince's game notes this week. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's Game Notes with Vincent LaCoco. Well, Jacob, I think we should start it off with Jack Plummer throwing with a lot of confidence this week. And, you know, it might just be the weeks accumulating and him getting a lot more comfortable in the offense. Uh, Maybe the speed of the ACC. You're not really sure what it is, but he this is the most comfortable he looked in the pocket, you know, out of any game, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, you saw it initially with a throw to Thrash. Uh, that was a broken down play in the end zone for a touchdown where he stepped up. I, well, I assumed it was a broken down play. You know, you always, have a, you always have a guy running the back line of the end zone for that situation, and Jack did a great job stepping up in the pocket and just delivering the ball. He had a second one to Thrash that uh, Thrash ended up fumbling that was thrown extremely early, extremely on time with – you know, right as Thrash was about to break, you know, the ball was out of Plummer's hands. And it's those are like NFL level throws where you just see you, you, you just see it. He hit uh Huggins Bruce on a dig route, which was one where he was also moving in the pocket, moving to his left, which was awesome to see. Uh, that was a play where he had to actually just kind of sit there a little bit in the pocket and just let the play in front of him develop, let a man get ran off. Uh there was a I don't I, th- I think it was a basic or something like that. And, you know, Jack just had to sit there. The, a couple of things stand out. You're right. The sack was a coverage sack. He really did his best to try to navigate not going down there, but nobody was open. There really wasn't much to do. Jack's noodly pump fake is the funniest thing ever. Like I, it's the most uncoordinated, unathletic pump fake, but it works so, so well. And he does it. He must have really, really large football hands. Like to be able to like Presley was talking about, I'm doing that. And that ball is slipping right out. Like these little baby hands are not holding the football pump, faking it on the run. But Jack is able to do that. Sometimes it's a little dangerous, but overall, I love watching it. Uh, a couple of really, really nice throws. I loved the two-minute drill uh, leading into half. Ultimately missed the field goal, but those two completions that he had back-to-back to Jamari Thrash and Kevin Coleman on the sideline were really, really nice plays. Overall, I loved the play calling for Plummer. They only took 
a couple of deep shots in this game. Again, they were very meticulous with what they did. It really was like Jamari Thrash is just faster than everybody. Let's just get him the ball and get out of the way and see what we can do. Uh, and ultimately, it worked for them. I think moving forward. Uh, oh, one last thing. The throw to Joey Gatewood. Oh, man, that was just a thing of beauty, man. And Joey Gatewood, just the catch, everything was perfect on that play. Tweeted this earlier, but if you can get Nate Kariski, Josh Lifson, uh, Joey Gatewood, if you can get one of these tight ends going, it's going to do a lot for the passing game and opening it up and making things even more dangerous for Kevin Coleman and Amari Huggins-Bruce. But ultimately, it's all about playing within the, within the game and within, the, within himself. And Jack probably... Would have liked to have seen him have better numbers, but, you know, 145 yards on 17 of 24, that's not great overall, but he did not turn the football over, uh, and he hit his playmakers, man, and that's all you can ask for. Just play good, consistent football. It's kind of what we've been asking from, like, asking Jack for from the beginning. Uh, obviously, though, Hartman's INTs are the ones that everybody's wanting to talk about, and uh, Quincy Riley made an unbelievable play on the ball. Uh, on his initial interception, which kind of just, you know, was wheels on the bus at that point. You you saw it. We talked about it for previous weeks uh, or on last week's show that it, it's just going to take one for him to just the snowball effect of it. And Quincy had great press coverage on it. And what he was doing was pushing that guy off his landmark and causing it to be a tighter throwing lane between the man in the sideline for Sam Hartman and Sam ended up underthrowing it, underthrew it right into Quincy's hands. Uh, the second one was uh, Devin Neal's and Notre Dame had been running from the very, you saw him running on the first drive. It's an over route with the tight end. Uh, you saw us running with two, two a lot where he was the number three receiver. He goes, uh, what was it under over or over under the Sam and the safety and just basically finds a spot on the over on the other side of the field. Well, Notre Dame had ran that multiple times, and whenever we – I was talking it through with Max Martin that play, I was like, wow, why is our safety so far over? And this coverage, well, it turned out he was baiting Sam Hartman into throwing that pass for the interception, and it was one that was definitely demoralizing. And you could just tell it was it – was, it, it was just one of those ones that he wishes he could have back. Because if he throws it on a dime, in my opinion, it's it's probably caught for a touchdown. But the pass rush, I mean, he having somebody in his face the entire game, obviously, you know, mess with him mentally. And the third one that Neil had was just, you know, a desperation heave ball for Hartman to try and make something happen, throwing shit against a wall and hoping it sticks. And, you know, it obviously didn't stick. If we could get Sam Hartman to start every game for, you know, mm -hmm. Louisville opponents, Mm -hmm. We we probably make it to the national championship, Jacob. You remember when when we were kids and there would be like all time quarterback, like you. Yeah, would, he can have all time. Yeah, just let him be all time quarterback at yeah. this point for everybody. Um, I don't know what it is about Louisville, but uh, I, I find it to be very humorous that uh, he steps in here and it's just like he has no idea how to play football. Um, from a deep stem from last though, year, though, man, it's it's like it's a mental thing. It's mm -hmm. the same thing as a baseball player having the yips or just not. I, you know, a, a basketball shooter not having a good three-point percentage in this certain gym. I, I mean, it's the same thing, and it just for whatever reason, Sam should not come back to Louisville for a bachelor party, for a golf scramble, to pick up bourbon, to derby. Just not, just don't do it. Mm -mm. Just avoid Louisville it's, completely. It's interesting to me. 
Hartman has played Louisville six times, believe it or not, in his career now. Six. He he finished two. He finished two and four in his career against Louisville, and his two wins were the first first year was uh, against that 2018 team that we won't talk about. Good and times. then what teams? Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was that game where they had they got the extra second. If you guys remember that, where it was the end of the first half, uh, I think it was like a tie game, and Notre Dame ran a running play with three seconds left in the, at the end of the first half and ended up getting one second put back on the clock so they could chip have a chip shot field goal to end the half, and they ended up winning by three. Uh, so those were Sam Hartman's two wins. The other ones were the, the, the losses uh, before were Satterfield's first year where he uh, – they went into what was it double overtime? With yeah, all they no, they, they didn't even go in overtime. No, it was sixty-two to fifty-nine. It was all the onside kicks. Is what we it had was. two onside kicks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, some memorable moments with Sam Hartman, uh, a guy we will never forget. Uh, but yeah, he came out on on the the wrong end of a lot of of pretty important games. I, I will him. definitely buy him a beer if ever seen at a bar. One hundred percent. Seems like a good guy. I mean, he's a solid college quarterback. Like, he's not crazy good. He's not bad. Like, he's he's a great fit for Notre Dame. Well, I mean, let, let's be honest here, too, guys. Like, Louisville outcoached and outschemed Notre Dame. Oh, like, yeah. Louisville forced Sam Hartman into these situations. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I While feel like – I was going to say, I feel like at some point, Jeff Brom, like, and, and Ron uh, English and Mark Hagan, they all just, like, collectively turned and looked at Mark Ivey, like, Aren't you going to lead us? Like y'all, y'all proved what to do last year. Like, aren't you going to show us this year? And I felt like Mark Ivy was like, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out and we're just going to blitz the fuck out of him, and he's going to get super pressured. He's going to throw picks. Ah! And you, by the end of it, he's bleeding, and he's so passionate that you're like, "All right, well, let's just let Mark run it." Um, and that's what it yeah, felt had like. A good Twenty second like, wrestling what, match Mark, after the game on the field. It was awesome. <laughs> why, why? Why are you bleeding, Mark? Like, I just I got to pressure Sam. Like, it's just totally how that they, that's how they played. It was it was just spectacular. Speaking to watch. of pressure, Brock Travelstead, after missing the first kick. Like you love to see a guy come back and bounce back from, you know, that is a kicker's only job. We all say it, you know, not we Brock. Can have a kick. not Brock. Brock's got a lot of other jobs. So I guess maybe for him, it's a little easier. Well, I mean, that's still all he does, though. You still just kick all practice. Kick, yeah, that's remember true. plays and stuff. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, like, you have one job. So, just like, that's it. all everybody – exactly. But uh, it's obviously more complicated than that. To be able to have that short-term memory to flush it, to not only hit a you know a kick that ties the game for us uh, – or did he tie the game with that kick? Yeah, so he yes, tied it. Tied and the game with the kick, and then he, he kicked a 45-yarder. He kicked a 45-yarder just to apply some pressure, and then the 32-yarder for shits and giggles. I mean – Stuff like that's huge. You just be able to bounce back in a game like that, 50,000 50, people in the stands. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, Jaws, where do we begin with Jaws? Jacob, you want to start with the offensive line and just dominating up front? Or I, Jaws? I mean, you have to. You When you play in Notre Dame, they're known for trenches. That's what they Facts. do. They got yeah. big boys that move. Kudos, that move, flowers. Yes. Flowers to Coach Owens, flowers to the entirety of the offensive line. I mean, it was – to be able to create those holes, the long touchdown run that Jaws had, 
I mean, it was set up by the entirety of the offensive line, but really by Nate and Dwayne Martin. You see Nate crash down like hell, and then Dwayne kick out the lone soldier out there, and it was a beautiful right off his ass jaws cut, and it was, I mean, good luck. Good luck trying to catch it. By the end of the year, if I had the technology, I would create a montage of just Dwayne Martin bulldozing people so far this season. Like, it's not yeah, being I mean, talked about on because it's just like, that's all. I mean, he's Isaac, but he, that's literally all he does in this is just run into somebody. And he had a great seal on a block in the first, I think it was the first drive of the game. Uh, and then d- that one as well. Just really, really impressive stuff that goes unnoticed to the to the common eye. And, and seeing guys like – and I didn't even notice this in the game, but whenever we watched it, I didn't realize Austin Collins was in the game for that long touchdown run. Like, he's the first dude I see running behind Jaws, throwing his arms up. Like, that shit you love to see. You know, you don't want to see your offensive lineman just, you know, jogging down to, to – oh, yeah, we scored a touchdown. Good job, guys. Slap everybody on the ass. I'm 300 pounds. Like, No. You want to see your offensive lineman go sprint down into the end zone following your running back because it just sends a message to their team like this is this is the shit you're going to be getting the entirety of the game. So that was dope to see. Uh, Jaws' second touchdown was a split zone, uh, split zone rushing attack like we've been talking about for weeks. Uh, the really cool part about it was some NFL-level stuff from Jaws was just attacking the inside of that. Uh, that DB, he attacked the inside of the DB to go outside so that he could create more space and more room. You know, it was it, it was just pretty. It, it was the the guy had no shot. I mean, it could have been any three of us back there, and we would have had probably equal the percentage of making that tackle. Yeah, I mean, the thing that stands out to me about Jawar Jordan is he's such a complete back, and nobody gives him credit for just how good of a every down back he is. Uh, and and when, when I say nobody gives him credit, I mean, he's known as a speed back, uh, but that's really not a fair assessment in my eyes. I mean, he sees those holes so well. And as you suggested, Vince, it just takes him just getting one little crease and he sees it every time and hits it on that long touchdown run. It stood out so much to me. Like he turned a 20 to 25 yard run by 95% of college backs into a touchdown because he had that perfect cut outside. And he oh, used to it was the so perfect sexy. angle. It was He's so like nice. Alvin like Kamara, in my yeah, opinion. Like yeah. his style of play, the speed, the cuts, being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Like that would be my player comp for no, nobody made nobody's made a cut like that, uh, coming kind of into the into the second level since below Powell. I think yeah. that's the I think that's that's the most apt assessment. Like our, our number one, if you could go back and, and have any kind of complaint um about why, why am I blanking on his name? Number number 10, J.B. Hawkins. Hawkins. Mm-hmm. If you could have any complaint about Hawkins, it was that he often didn't see the right holes. And he often didn't make the right cuts outside like, like Jaws did. And he Jordan takes advantage of every opportunity uh, on the field. It's it's extremely impressive. And if my assessment isn't right on, on Hawkins, let me know. But, I mean, I, I think I, that's – I think it's also impressive the fact that it's not just like whenever Hawk was out there, Hawk was the main back. Like we could have a game where, yeah, Jaws might start one, two, three plays, but Isaac Grendo might get subbed in four, five, six, seven, eight, Mo Turner, nine, ten, and then you go back in. And you don't hear anybody bitching. Not no. from any of the for as far as we know, we don't hear anybody bitching about yeah, and that. That's the thing about Jawar too, man. Like he's 
going full quarters without even playing. And, and yeah. that hasn't happened the last two games. But, uh, I mean, I remember specifically against IU, Jacob oh, yeah. texted me, like, is Jawar hurt? I was like, no, I think they're just going through their, their rotation. But, yeah. yeah, I was thinking the same thing, 100%. They've pulled the rotation back a little bit, uh, but – Drive number one is a great example of what they can do with these two backs, right? So you go Jawar Jordan uh, pass on the first play of the game or the first play of that drive, then hand the ball off to him two times in a row. You get the first down, and then you come back, you you pass to Jamari Thrash, you get the first down. They go to Isaac Gariendo there, and then come back a couple of plays later, option pitch to Jawar. Love that. That was sexy. Great play call there. They come back with it again on the other side. They do it to Gariendo. Love it. Great play calling. Like, that's exactly what you're talking about. You don't need – you are on the field every single time to still be able to move the ball forward. They're able to rotate these guys and keep them healthy. All right, Vince, let's run through the last bit of this uh, because I know you want to give uh, a couple more players their flowers. So let's, let's do this and then we'll jump into the sack King update. Ben Perry had one of my probably most favorite cover down plays uh, that I've just seen in a while out of any outside linebacker or DB. Uh, you know, the old saying, a lot of the, one of the big rules for, you know, a skill player like Ben Perry, whenever he's matched up man-to-man against a tight end, is don't give up ground. You might want to just, like, chop your feet, run your feet a little bit, keep them active so you're not, you know, standing in cement. But don't – what are you giving up ground for? You run a four eight forty. this tight end runs like a four nine five flat, whatever. Like, bottom line is you are more – you're faster and you're more skilled than this tight end. And uh, the way Ben got hands-on, trusted his speed – uh, got physical with him. That I mean, that's exactly. And it was a huge play that ended up leading, I believe, to a turnover on that series. Uh, regardless, that was the last one that I wanted to highlight, Jacob, before we hit into your sack update. We have my awesome picture of Marcus Freeman that I left in our show notes. He, but, It was great to see him in distress. Somebody that handsome deserves to be in distress a little bit more often just because of that level of like of football expertise financial uh, uh, well-being and handsomeness. I just want to know what they were thinking, like what Notre Dame fans and Marcus Freeman and them were legitimately thinking walking into the stadium. Did they think that they were going to roll over this team? They did. Like, they did. The, the 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 receipts will tell you so. Uh, Presley's got a couple of those receipts uh, saved from folks who were all in the mentions of the State of Louisville account for days leading up to it about, you know, and even on the Pink Seats account, you know, oh, it's 35. How ignorant, the- are, how ignorant is Notre Dame, though? Like, you all have not mattered going back to Brady Quinn. God, I mean, you all made the national championship by the grace of God with Manti Teo and got your asses kicked by Alabama. There and then is the nothing going stock. on at Notre Dame. You all get a a blessing of a ranking every year because Rudy was a good movie. Outside that, there's nothing going on in Notre Dame. The coolest part about going to Notre Dame was seeing your all's campus. Like it was a very beautiful campus, but your stadium sucked. Yeah, it's a it's a dump, man. It really is. Like, and it's it's just this whole bleacher. Like, it bothers me, man. It really bothers me that these traditional programs, like, I mean, Penn State's finally got themselves back to like national prowess and stuff like that after you know their whole situation went on. Uh, whenever I was in high school and stuff, but like a team like Notre Dame, like it just I don't get it. I really just don't get it. I mean, well. They they are the premier brand in college football. And for I mean, what? I, well, for what? The, what have they won? Since, well, it's since not. It's not about their. It's not about their recent success. It's about they. The most amount of people watch their games. They have the most amount of fans. They bring the most amount of fans on the road. 
you know, and I mean, part of it too is because they're the Catholic school. And so, right. I mean, you, I, you'd know this better than I did because you're, you're a Catholic school kid, Vince. But uh, I mean, you know, I have a lot of buddies that went to Trinity and St. X and they're just by way of going, going through Catholic school, they are in some way either diehard Notre Dame fans or if they don't cheer for U of L or UK, they cheer for Notre Dame. Yeah, so, I have a Notre Dame blanket at my house. Yeah, yeah. So with all that, <laughs> so with all that in mind, like that's that's part of it. Is like, like it's like uh, it's like BYU. Like, why are there now? It's not that it's not as prevalent ar- around here because we don't have a lot of Mormon people around here. But if you go out west, there's a ton of BYU fans because of the association with the religion and 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 everything that goes into that. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And, and the people are dumb. I the just people really in my dumb. mentions were like. Like it was so prevalent that I almost started thinking, like, may, are are we dumb for thinking Louisville has a chance? Like it was that, it was that strong of a presence in our mentions. Like it was constant, and the whole thing was about about the stadium is so silly. Like if you go to Cardinal Stadium and then you go to Notre Dame Stadium and you have right. no point of reference at all about who plays in those stadiums, you'd be like, yeah, that's like not even the same thing. Like they play the same sport here. Like I understand Notre Dame is has added on to their facilities and they're they're very nice. Very similar. When to did they build a scoreboard, Presley? Yeah. Okay. So they when they, you they, you tweeted they added the scoreboard in 2017. Mic drop. Done. Didn't yeah. they just add Done. lights like five years ago or something? Like, like no, that? no. So they, they they didn't Have play a night, night game. game until the 80s. But traditionally, ah, okay. they didn't like playing night games for a long time. My favorite about Notre Dame is how they bring their green uniforms out and then proceed to get their ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. I, here's the here's my gripe. Right, I I thought for the most part their fans were fairly mild and and well-mannered there was a couple of instances where they were not including some very non notre dame like language being used about no not at all confession on sunday for sure oh yeah like i i you know i i heard some pretty rough stuff but the funniest thing was that they were so offended by again what dylan was with me and if you know dylan for my friends who are listening to this dylan is not afraid of confrontation and so he is willing to talk shit to people he doesn't know that's just a part of who he is and so every notre dame fan he passed i'm not kidding you everyone he would stop and let them know hey sam hartman fucking sucks and he said it to probably he probably said it (laughs) at least 75 times but the kid on the way out lost his mind as notre dame is losing 33 to 20 and the whole section is just pointing at the scoreboard sending their ass home to fucking kokomo indiana like get the fuck out of here man I, I want to know their about. percentage of fans to graduates. It's, it, it's going to be like, dude, man, it's going to be the same thing, man. It's going to be the or exact Kentucky. same thing. Kentucky. Yeah. The, the most of the fans do not go there. Like you meet, you know, your, your neighbor, Terry, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Why? Not I grew that up that's a big deal on. or anything like that, but I just think it's, uh, I've always heard people say that they grew up watching Notre Dame games in Louisville because it was a game that they got, whatever the case was, you know what I mean? So defensively has been showing that they can do a lot of, a, a lot of everything. And it's a lot of fun to watch, but speaking of it, let's jump into the sack King update. We have really, we got it going, right? I see. Yeah, it is. And we got a new competitor who I think is going to, going to really turn the heat up here. We got new entries. We've got returnees. We've got a race to the top. There is just a lot happening tonight on the on the uh, Sack King update. So let's jump right into it right now. We came into it. Ashton just blowing things out of the water. He had five sacks. The next closest on the team, uh, I believe, was one sack coming into this game. A lot of guys with one sack. Uh, but again, Ashton, dominant, man. Just dominant. He is going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft this year. Like uh, He is at six and a half sacks right now on the season. Um, we'll likely get to ten. And... Mm-hmm. 
he is a freak of nature. He is going to dominate the combine. And everyone's going to be talking about that hair, man. Like, how can you not? You you got to draft him because of the hair. Like, it's just at least three picks higher. In in the in the play that really like the sack that he got, whenever he just sat that guard or center, or I think it's the guard sat him into Sam Hartman's lap. That play alone is Aaron Donald as not saying you know Ash and Aaron Donald are one and the same, but that is that's a play that you know that's a grown man play right there. It really is. So we go into this game thinking, oh, okay, well you know Louisville's only averaging about two sacks a game. Maybe they can get it going. I'll be happy if they get two sacks. I think most of us predicted two sacks, one sack, knowing this is Notre Dame, right? But if you listen to Notre Dame fans uh, in some of the Notre Dame podcasts, which I, I went back today and have really been diving in, they did not have a trust in their offensive line. It's It was one that people talked about being good, but you know, one of the hosts that I listened to specifically said, if you say that, you have watched – like you're telling me you haven't watched Notre Dame without telling me by saying that. So the offensive line was a little questionable, and I think Louisville really exposed that in this game, walking away with a season-high five sacks, um, and, and they do so really, really kind of – it looked for a little bit like they weren't getting a ton of pressure. I know they got a sack early, but Sam did have time to kind of sit back there and chill, but then the, the pressure really heated up. You walk away here, new entries, Cam Wilson – Love it. First, first career sack. It's only a half sack. That was sack. awesome. That was only awesome. Only half sack, From, but oh, love it. Finally uh, finally seeing this kid on the field, Jacob. Uh, Court Dennison and myself are just over here fist bumping. Yeah, man. He was the highest rated recruit in the class of 2021. Dude's a, dude's a baller. Dude's a yeah. baller. One of those dudes where it just had to click, and it's starting to click for him, and you're seeing it, and you're seeing all the fruit come out there, and it, it's awesome. And then new entry – to the club, Mason Riger doing Let's so, go! doing so in absolute Mason Riger fashion. Not one, but two sacks to get onto the list, and now becoming really one of the bigger challengers uh, to Ashton Gelati. And what I have to say about Mason, like we've talked a lot about Mason. I'm people are starting to tweet about it now, like they've discovered this hidden gem. I'm like, no, we've been talking about yeah. this for two and a half years on this show. But what I I have I told you all this a couple of weeks ago, and I. I noticed a couple of Louisville defensive linemen tweeting about this. Mason has got some legitimate pass rush moves. Like they are the move against Christian Mahogany against uh, Boston college was just incredibly sexy on that play. That wasn't a sack, but should have been two more just in just really impressive pass rush moves. Um, and from what you talk about to, when you talked about uh, with Mason to other people is they say that this is just the the fruit of hard work right here. Like that's what this is. This is owning a craft and being relentless in the pursuit of that craft. Because again, he was a walk on I think Somebody said he was a safety coming into Louisville. I don't know if I knew that, that that is new information to me. Um, so to be playing defensive end, getting two sacks against Notre Dame can stay, you know, a, a, a potential first and, and second round draft picks. Like that's just massive returnees to the club. I want to give a shout out to my my Eastern brethren here because we need this, right? We've had some big name recruits in the past who haven't really panned out. R Ramon is just uh, is setting the tone straight of what Eastern high school can be from a football player. A lot of people won't remember this name, but the most dominant Eastern player coming out of high school since Myron Pryor, who was drafted in the seventh round by the New England Patriots, won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots, was 
unfortunately very dominant at Kentucky. I hate to say that, but really, really paved the way for a little uh, for Eastern football. But Ramon is dominating, and he is getting so much push inside. Um, he's got one one sack this week, but he had a couple of tackles for loss. He had that play last week that was just unreal. The fumble recovery, love to see it. And then uh, Ashton, of course, as I mentioned, the return he gets one and a half sacks this week. So guys, it's it's a it's a real race here. Ashton's six and a half. Uh, Ramon and Mason both have two now. Destel got a sack at some point. I don't know when that was. I don't know if it was in this game, the last game. He's now got two sacks. Jalen Alderman has one, and Cam Wilson with .5 sacks. Here we go. Buckle up because we got we got a lot of football left to be played, and there's still a lot of time uh, to win that award and go out to for a steak dinner. I guess according to Vincent Lacoco, we'll see yeah. about that. Steak dinner on Jacob Lane. I was just doing some quick research on Joe Alt of Notre Dame, their left tackle. Uh, he's pretty much a consensus top 10 pick right now in all the mock drafts. Uh, he had not allowed a sack in over two years. Uh, and Mason just went straight through a motherfucker's face and got his first sack of the season against Joe Alt. Uh, so I saw Mason after the NC State game. So first of all, of course, I'm wearing the jersey as always. And I'm, I'm like three or four rows in front of Ashton's family. And Ashton's dad came down. He's like, so what's going on? He's like, we thought he was going to play, and I heard he's out. And I was like, it's news to me. I didn't know he was out. So, yeah, so I, I messaged Matt. Matt was like, yeah, he's out. Apparently he got re-injured or whatever. But I'm walking out, and I ran into Mason's, I guess it was his aunt and uncle, I think, um, or cousins or something. They're like, you need to come meet with the family. They'll love it, whatever. So we all meet up after the game. You know, they're, the whole family there, Mason, Jack, neither one of them dressed for the game, I don't, I don't think. Um, and I told Mason, I was like, dude, you can play next week. He's like, absolutely. 100% I'm playing. I was like, all right, you're going to get a sack. And he was like, oh yeah, we're getting a sack <laughs> for sure. So not only did he get a sack, he got two sacks. Um, so just for you, one for him and one for you, buddy. Did you That's get invited right. to Thanksgiving? <laughs> yes. Presley Riger. Well, Showing up no, for Thanksgiving not, not dinner and, no, not okay. Yet. We need to work on that. Um, yeah, no, I, I would totally accept an invitation. Uh, I think they live in like the Chicago area, so we could probably make that work. Um, but yeah, it's funny how many questions I get about like what's the what's the connection relationship? Like what's the connection? <laughs> I was just like just a fan, like of Mason Rager. I was like, yeah, who are you a fan of? Yeah, like, you can't be fans of freaking defensive linemen nowadays. Yeah, like, I was like, yeah, when it when okay, so we never had a chance before nil to wear a player's name on the back of your jersey or else unless you got like one of those like ebay or like walmart exactly exactly like a genuine like money goes to the player like even if it's three dollars or whatever it is uh you know like a legitimate jersey like you could get in the nfl or else we would have all had lamar jerseys we would have all had like Bilal Powell jerseys would have had like a I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a huge fan favorite, like a Lorenzo Malden. Yeah. Vince Lococo. Vince Lococo jersey. Well, let me ask ask this, Vince. When do I get to wear your jersey? Like uh, you've told me before. You can wear it whenever. I can't can't wear it. It might be uncomfortable. Go for it. That's fine. I just want to be in the same position as Presley where people are like, what's the deal? And I'm like, oh, I'm Jacob Lococo. Yeah, I played in. And he added J to the back. So it said Jay Lococo. My favorite thing in. My favorite thing about Riger and Jacob, you highlighted it is like, it's all hard work from him. And I remember when he came back in the spring in 2020, uh, I believe it was 2020, 2021, maybe where he just looked like an absolute different human being. 
it looked like he had ate himself and doubled in size. Uh, he, him, Desmond Tell, Cam Wilson, uh, a bunch of Ramon Perrier, all these other D linemen that are finally like getting their flowers and balling out. Ashton Gelati. These are all guys that I had to drag out of the weight room because they were hitting pads and doing extra work and stuff. So I could go home and we could finish dinner check. Like these are dudes that would stay into the facility up until the place closes. It's really cool to see extra work and stuff like that finally paying off for guys like this. Yeah. I mean, when, when I I've gotten a chance to actually be down on, on the field and see the players out there. I mean, Mason and Ashton especially stand out as they're just built different. Like literally like they just have a different physique than everybody else out there. Like you can just tell they put in the work. Like it's in, I mean, it shows on the field, man. Like they, they don't from, from, uh, from afar, like watching on TV, it doesn't necessarily stand out. I mean, you can see it in their play. Like they're just bigger, faster, stronger uh, than a lot of these other guys. Did we? That's funny to me that I'm did sorry. We out, did, did we outdo Notre Dame? Oh, we definitely outdo Notre Dame. Like it was That's not even. It wasn't even a dude off from their standpoint. No way. Mm-mm. No. No. No dude That's, off. No dude off from. I mean, we dude it off for sure. One hundred percent. We were in there dude and all day long. But um, it we did outdo them like straight up like. For the first time, and I, I saw people kind of point this out, and it's true. We Louisville has struggled. One of the biggest things under Satterfield was the ability to play against bigger teams. Mm-hmm. They struggled with it. This team, I don't care if they would have been five foot two. Louisville's dudes were out there playing their freaking asses off. Like it didn't matter that TJ Quinn was a former safety. It did not matter that Des Tell is only five ten, five eleven. Like it doesn't matter that stuff. Like it, 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 there is a portion of that in football that matters, but. From a heart and effort standpoint, every play, the look in your eyes. That's the way I like the Jeff Brom. I don't know if you all saw the saw the the speech pregame that ESPN aired. I went back and watched the game today. That's his thing this year. Gotta have that look in your eyes. Gotta keep that look in your eyes. Like he is about it. it like there's that edge, man. That that edge that they play with that for years we talked about. He's just missing it. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. Uh, and I saw this tweet like there is no better like Louisville moment than this. You have the Louisville head coach being interviewed by a Louisville alumni with Jack Harlow, a Louisville born rapper behind them after upsetting Notre Dame with the field storming. Like we, we got a cool moment. Finally, we got a cool moment, right? Our coach isn't begging for somebody to put their L's down away. Like we got to go out there, beat a nationally recognized brand, rush the field, enjoy this moment, be six and zero, be a top 15 football team. And now let's talk, real football like we're we are we are fucking back like let's go are you kidding me like i'm ready to go back out there tomorrow night and do it all over again i'm See, that's, pissed that that's they the play vibe. pittsburgh on the road man like i'm fucking ready to get in the car let's go my mom will my mom is like lived in pittsburgh her whole life she would support me however i need to get up to pittsburgh this weekend for that game 100 percent. let's go then well, yeah <laughs> i was man. about to say but besides your two young children and yeah your, your <laughs> right <wife. laughs> If, any, uh, if anybody's interested in, in keeping some kids for the weekend, uh, hit me up in the DMs. We Maybe will bring That's back weird. a Manthe Bros sandwich for you. Yeah. <laughs> it might be soggy, but it will well, I will. Be I will. But I, I just – I am so uh, – we've been waiting for this for so long. And I, I I never lost hope, whether it was the in the coach or not, that we would – that the program, meaning Louisville, would get back here. This town, this program, this university is too resilient not to – there is too much investment in love in football. You you hear it when you talk to alumni, people on the staff, 
people who played, people who cover it. There is a Louisville football is special. It is. It's not Michigan. It's not Alabama. It's not Texas. We don't have that, but there is something here locally uh, within the fan base. Um, and when Louisville football gets back, things are just different. It's just different. And we're there. Feels like a team. It's always felt like a team that's had the the blue collar mentality, chip on the shoulder type deal. And that's kind of the vibe that you get from us alumni, in my opinion, is just, you know, we constantly have something to prove. And people are constantly doubt. I mean, no different than the Florida game, the Sugar Bowl game, and that's right. I mean, I, I mean it's just con- yeah. Shout out Baker Mayfield, man. I always knew he was a good guy. Yeah, you think he texted Yaya before? Like, yeah, look what I'm about to do. Yeah, I think Yaya was probably like, "I will beat the shit out of you if you don't." Yeah, pick if you, you don't, pick, if you don't pick a little. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Anything yeah, else? I'll, on I'll flex day. your head in my bicep and pop it. We don't have Matt here to close his his uh, book on the week, and he uh, he did that this morning. He said so. Unfortunately, the book's closed uh, on Notre Dame. Big win for Louisville football. Thank you. I need a like. Can you? Can we get something? Hold on. I have a book here. Let me see. This is. This I is can't read. Enough. Oh, that was a good sound. That was a, Hold on. Here we go. Can you hear that? No, not very well. You got to do, do, do it in front of the mic. All right. Here we go. Ready? Wait, 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 wait. Is is it nice? Is is it cool? The fact that. You know, close Jacob, the book, Jacob, your biggest thing. No, no, not yet. <laughs> no, hold, biggest, on, hold on. Got to open it back up. Real quick. Yeah, open it back up. Open it Jacob, right. your it's biggest back. thing is whenever guys go to the draft that their highlights are always UofL players getting shit on. Not Sam, Sam Hartman, Hartman, tackle, the offensive tackle. I mean, how about that? How the, how the turns oh, Am I right? They're definitely not going to show Joe Alt's uh, game against Lowell Yeah, we control year. all Thank the God. lead of that damn yeah, draft please. stock. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not ready to close the book. Like I'm, I'm not. Close your like, eyes. I haven't. I, That's where I'm at right now at this game. I haven't allowed myself to fully enjoy this how I should. I don't think, like, because I'm not ready. Like I, I don't. I'm not ready to move past the the point of like it's happened so quickly, right? Like we went from. The Saturday, we're in the exact spot that we wanted to be in. Oh, no, no, all we said in the offseason, man, it's just crazy that we're fine. Like, we're all we said was if we can be five and oh going into Notre Dame, we've got a really good shot. Well, the really good shot turned into us kicking their ass, and here we are sitting here at six and oh, don't have to worry about bowl eligibility. And like, I I walked off the field and I saw that sign, the, the Jumbotron lit up with that. I was like, man. Like, it is nice not to have to stress about this. Yeah, first week of October. Uh, but really, I mean, that's the least of our concerns now, man. Like, yeah. we're, we're talking like – Orange Bowl or – We're talking good. like – College football playoff is where like, we yeah. should be oh, I wasn't going to say it, but you well, said I was it. Gonna say, we're we're going to like, What happens if they don't lose? I'm, I'm just right. saying. I'm just saying. Ooh. Expectations are out there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love I mean, it. I love being Miami. in this position. We don't suck anymore. <laughs> thanks to Miami. Thanks to Clemson for losing. Like, I mean, not this week for Clemson, but just in general. Like, it's Louisville. It's uh, it's North Carolina, and it's Florida State. Uh, and Duke and North Carolina, uh, Duke and Florida State are going to play each other the week before Duke comes to Louisville. And then it, imagine in a scenario where Duke beats Florida State and Duke comes to Louisville. And that is a battle, essentially, for a spot in the ACC championship. I mean, I know there's still a couple of weeks left to go, but, I mean, that really starts to shape things. But real quick, before we jump to a commercial break, I just this is just an absolutely wild um, thing to kind of think about here. 
Now, I'm going to read some scores of some games to you all, and then I'm going to read you who the opponents are. Uh, and we'll talk about this for a second, okay? So um, I'm. this is a battle of against ranked opponents, okay? And these are the scores of these games, okay? 2005, 31-7. to 7. Uh, 2012, you know, 2013, technically, 33 to 23, 2016, 63 to 20, 2022, 48 to 21, 2023, 33 to 20. Well, against... I can tell you what I can tell you what they were. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. It was Miami, uh, uh Sugar Bowl, yeah, then Florida State, yep, then uh, uh, Wake Forest, yeah. And then this year against Notre Dame. Yeah. Outside of Miami, who was ranked 17th, all of the rest of those teams were ranked in the top 10 and Louisville won those games convincingly. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, I don't, I don't know what to do with that stat. That's just wild. That is wild. <laughs> and yet for the last couple of years, like we couldn't sneak one out against Boston College. I mean, it's just unreal. Louisville's back. We'll go to a commercial break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about Pittsburgh. But before we do that. Sports betting is officially live in Kentucky. Sports betting sites are offering new bettors tons of awesome bonuses to get started. That way, if you've never bet before, you're not sure what to do. You're going to have some form of being able to kind of ease into it here. We've made it super easy and put all of our favorite promos into one list for you. Check out all of our best sports book promos at bit.ly bit.ly slash state of Louisville so you can maximize your first bets. Also, each time you sign up for one of the promotions, you're directly supporting our show. So if you're looking to sign up for any new Kentucky sports books, head over to bit.ly slash state of Louisville for our top offers. That's bit.ly forward slash state of Louisville. Offers are only available for new customers who are 18 plus, 21 plus select sports books and must be physically present in Kentucky. Please gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be back on the other side to talk about Pittsburgh. It's not a good weekend for Pittsburgh heading into this game. I'm Pittsburgh. real pissed at that city. Like, let's talk about the Steelers just being dicks and winning that game. Also, yeah, Ravens yeah. receivers being dicks and just not catching. Catch the okay. fucking football. I, I know we've like, had this conversation. Me? It's the most perfect football I've ever caught in my life. Like, it. Like, shut up. That's so funny. Shut up. Like, just catch the football. Why can't they catch the football? I mean, I it's don't, like. I don't. Well, yeah. Keon Wakefield's tweeting about it all the time. It's because they're catching fucking rugby balls. Why on God's earth? Like, what? What genius? Football oh, football coaches bother me sometimes because they try and reinvent the wheel. The wheel does not need to be reinvented. Football is football. Like, people practice with tennis balls and, you know, smaller balls so that they can get the gauge of how big a football is. Practicing with a larger ball makes no sense. I, I just don't get it. It'd be like, that'd be like practicing golf with a larger hole. Yeah. Yeah, That's let really... me practice my putting with a huge hole. <laughs> that is very weird now that you say that. But like, here, but when okay, so back and this is probably still a thing. Basketball technology has come a long way. Like the gym that Peyton Siva has opened, where it's like digital boards and you can pass the ball. Like when I was younger playing basketball back in my day, when I was playing with the peach with the peach basket, there was this massive basketball that weighed like seven pounds, and you would shoot free throws with it because it would help you get your form. And I don't remember the logistics of it, but it would help with something. And then you'd get the regular ball 
and it would be like super easy. So maybe there's something to it, but eventually well, that makes sense. Cause you know, fourth quarter, you're tired. What do they tell you to aim for whenever you're shooting a free throw at the back of the iron? Cause you're going to end up shooting it short. Right. That makes sense. Jacob. So your right. arm you strength could, and like, you could make a, a ball the same exact size as a football and make it weighted, make it heavier. Which, if which that's we the, have that's the concept you're going for. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's, that's already a thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't make any sense, but I'm, I'm just pissed at Pittsburgh. That's not fair. That game. Can you pick? It sucks. That team is terrible. Mom, if you're listening to this, the Steelers are awful. I hate them so much. Um, right. I love you though. For but... 15 million yards for the fins. So we're good. Yeah. Still... Yeah. I'm Lamar sorry. though, Vince, like fantasy wise, dude, we're getting, we're getting, I'm, I'm hurting, bro. we're real scared. I'm on, points from Lamar. As we record this on Monday night, I'm depending on my dad and uh, his Raiders to have a very piss poor night, which hopefully. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I need I need Josh Jacobs to score 86 points, I think, to win. You got it. No, that's that's doable. Yeah. yeah. Well, you so. know who's not scoring 86 points is probably Pittsburgh. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite honestly, this is going to be a a game uh, in which. You're gonna score eighty six points all year. I think they have. I was, I was literally going to look that up. You guys, I'll look it up. Press. I have all their scores in the the show sheet there. If you need to dive in and add those, that's up my favorite podcast. part about when Presley's on with us. He's like that uh that he, third guy with Joe yeah, Rogan who always looks up stuff real quick for everybody. He is our researcher, right? Look, that go ahead and Presley. put that on the screen, Jamie. Go ahead and put that on. The yeah, screen. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, get that on the screen right there. Let me get that on. <laughs> Oh man, that's incredible. But Pittsburgh is not incredible. They come into this game at one and four, zero and two in the conference with uh, four straight losses. They are, in fact, I'm very burpy. Oktoberfest beer is out in stores now, so I'm I'm having my first of the season, and it is state of Louisville Oktoberfest. Get it? Now. It is really like just sitting right there, and just a lot of burps. But um, they come into this game on the longest losing streak of the Pat Narduzzi era at Pittsburgh. Four in a row. They lost to Cincinnati at West Virginia, North Carolina, and then Virginia Tech had a bye week last week. Um, and this is a team that is going to have a new quarterback. Phil Jerkovic was their quarterback. Um, Pat Narduzzi is not going to have any form of you doubting that. He's the reporting, the reporters like in Pittsburgh, is he running routes? I, I Maybe. I don't know why. Well, that means he's a tight end if he's running rounds. Well, he's not running rounds. I can promise you he's not running around. Like, it was the most comical back and forth. Phil Jerkovich, no longer the starting quarterback. Now it is Christian Vuvuzela. I don't know what his last name is, and that's not it. What were the things that they used to – The dude from Vuvuzela. the World Cup. Yeah, the, thing, no, the, the things were the – yeah, Vuvuzela. You, the, is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, Christian – I. I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Velo, maybe because it is that uh, that like New Orleans. Billy, you. I think it's by you. By you. There you go. There you go. Um, How do we say uh, Versailles? I feel like it's kind of like that. Yeah, this is like Jerry, Gary, Bohannon last year, but we just didn't know going into the game against South Florida how you say his name, and then we learn on the other side. So Christian uh, Sales. Christian Versailles. Christian Versailles is the new starting quarterback, um, and. BC is, ju- or excuse me, goodness gracious, not BC, Pittsburgh, about one and the same. Honestly, they're not too far off this year. Uh, Pittsburgh is desperately looking to just get a spark, to get something going, to get a win, to try to prevent the bottom from falling out on them. Um, and they come in and face a very hot Louisville team who is built to beat this team. Like, let's just get that out mm-hmm. in the open. Louisville strengths, for the most part, are Pittsburgh's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's strengths are not Louisville's weaknesses. So we should be okay in this game. Uh, and so, yes, Presley. So we, we did crunch the numbers, by the way. 
so they played four games against FBS level competition against Cincinnati, West Virginia, UNC, and Virginia Tech. They have scored drum roll seventy two points in those four games, uh, and they've scored do one hundred and seventeen if you include their game against Wofford. Um, so in that game, though, uh, as you've so kindly noted here, um, Christian Bayou, 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 Velux was five for nine for 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, also notably, Bayou, Versailles, whatever his name is, uh, he was recruited by Jeff Brom. So Brom noted in his press conference today. Hold that, on, I, I have breaking news. Yeah. We are pronouncing his name very incorrectly. Okay, what's his name? I just looked it up on his uh, bio. And according to Pittsburgh, it is Vier is his last name. Vier. There's or Vey Air. What a great name, though, for a quarterback. Yeah. I it's if he was a running back, it'd be by run, right? There's an X. Styling, bro. It's a silent X, man. Yeah. It, I'm There's sorry. no air. There's no A. I all wish no, we had silent X's. Am I right, guys? There's no R in his last name, man. There is no R. Very confused. Very confused. <sighs> But the, like you uh, said, Jacob, their strengths or their weaknesses line up very well with uh, with what Louisville has going on, specifically with the defensive line and uh, their offensive line being all banged up and injured and, uh, you know, not getting much of a push. If our defensive line can establish a good front, uh, you know, can just basically play the way they've been playing the past two to three games, you know, I feel fairly confident with Louisville dominating this game. Definitely up front. If with what we did last game, uh, with Notre Dame's running back, I, I expect, you know, very similar, if not better, uh, this week versus Pitt. Looking at the stats, what are some stats that stand out to you guys? Uh, because the, the the first thing that comes to mind for me is Pitt allows a lot of sacks uh, and tackles for loss. Like yeah, their I, offensive line has given up a, a lot of – like it, they, they kind of remind me of, of like – I think it was like second year sat – where they were giving up lots of sacks, but they were also hitting lots of big plays. And that seems like that's pit. Like right now their only offense is, is hitting these massive plays to uh, their tight end. Who's averaging like 22 yards per catch. Um, and <laughs> outside of that, there's not a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Bub memes and Kanata Mumfield have both proven that they can make big plays when they get opportunities. I can't remember if it was Means or Mumfield. One of them absolutely balled out against North Carolina. Some of that was in garbage time in that game. It was a blowout. But this is not the pit that we saw last year. There is uh, no uh, Clancy on the defensive line. There is no Izzy Abandacanda in, in the running back room. This is a team that cannot run the ball, uh, at least not consistently. This is a team that does not play great, great, consistent defense. They are – uh, in spurts, you know, they they do get after the quarterback. They historically have always had a very strong defensive line. Their corners uh, do a good job of defending um, and, and, you know, making sure that – I don't want to say that they limit points because Pittsburgh's a lot, a lot of points. But they have done a decent job at times of keeping the passing yardage down. Their numbers are so skewed by the fact that they um, – that they I think it was against West Virginia, only had 60 passing yards, only – I think they only passed the ball 11 times in that game. I only had six completions. So their numbers aren't necessarily 
great all around. Like if you remove West Virginia and you remove Wofford, I bet those numbers are going to be very, very bad. Like that's just, they gave up 155 yards to Corey Kiner against Cincinnati. Um, and they, uh, Drake may North Carolina and even Vatek have had their way. So this is a team that does not really play great defense and they don't have a, an offensive line that can block. They're missing their left tackle, their left guard, and likely their center in this game. There is potentially more injuries. Um, uh, Pat Narduzzi was very vague about who has been injured and who is not. He said that they are, I'm, I'm trying to not make sure I don't want to misquote, but they are coming out of the bye week worse off than they expected to be from an injury standpoint. So this is a banged up Pittsburgh team. Do? That's what I was wondering, man. He somebody asked him, "Did did you get where you wanted to be well, from so, the bye so, week injury okay, standpoint?" Okay. He was like, "Not quite." Now, now I say that, and I've had multiple different bye week experiences. So there is the bye week where you're having a good season, and you know you get a win, and leading into the bye week, and you get you know. Hey, we'll practice hard the first three days, and then we'll take it easy, light, you know, whatever, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. But you have, like, a 2018 bye week where it is, like, it's practice. Like, you're you're just going. So I'm curious. I wonder if Pitt just kind of effed up and decided to go full-blown practice because they're having such a bad, such a poor season. Uh, personally, I mean, bye week is – should be used for recovery. A lot of self self scout. You can figure out a lot about your team during that bye week. Uh, specifically, specifically while they're running the ball thirty eight times with Phil Jakovic. I mean, what? I don't understand the logic behind that with them. Thirty eight rushes for fifty nine yards. I mean, he got to be a lot of scrambling. Oh and, yeah, and, and Not again, being able to do anything. I'll I mean, yeah, I'm it. curious as to how many of those are designed runs for him, though. I don't ever remember Very him few. being like the. Very few. Yeah, I'm so. gonna I'm gonna dive into some of the tape later this week, which does us no good right now. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like a great thing to do later. <laughs> no, that's just a, that's just the what we are in essence of the show. Like, oh, just later in the week, I'll watch the Pittsburgh film. Well, here's the thing: it's been literally one sleep since the one sleep. Yeah, yeah <laughs> since the since the last game. So. Uh, Jacob, no. what what's the matchup that you're looking at against Pitt? Where you're like, all right, I could see Pitt has having some success here against Louisville. Yeah, so for me, it's Gavin Bartholomew um, at the tight end position. We saw this past weekend Mitchell Evans um, and Holden Stays both had big plays. I think Mitchell Evans led the team in receiving for Notre Dame. Yeah, four for seventy one, and then had the touchdown. I, I warned you all about Mitchell Evans leading into the game. I wish I had taken the anytime touchdown score for him. I don't know what I was doing. I told Presley before the game to do it, and then I didn't do it myself. But I, Louisville is susceptible to the tight end and has been for years. Like, I, and I think every defense in some way is susceptible to the tight end just because typically they're they're just not – It's a matchup nightmare. Yeah, it is, but it, yeah, exactly. Because, right. uh, I mean, it, we're at the level – this isn't the NFL. You're not going to get – Every def- not every defense is going to have the outside linebacker that can cover a tight end or the safety that can cover a tight end. That's just the reality of what it is. Not everybody can be like us, and I've been Perry, Cameron Kelly, and Devin Neal. He is a big play guy, so you cannot lose him in this game. So for me, I'm watching Ben Perry. Uh, I'm watching those guys on the edge. I don't, I don't necessarily haven't paid a ton of attention. Maybe you have, Vince, to how they're using safeties when linebackers aren't covering tight ends or you know what they're doing there, but – um, if they play a lot of that, um, you know, two safety high and they have, you know, man coverage on a tight end, that's really worrisome for me because this quarterback is so, un, you know, so unknown. We really don't know. He's only thrown what on the season 
uh, 27 passes, not necessarily an accurate guy, but it just takes two or three of these to Bartholomew to really open the game up uh, and then really allow them to get Rodney Hammond Jr., who is their running back, and Bub Means and Kanata Mumpfield, who are proven um, weapons. So, I mean, there is definitely – I'm trying to kind of think through it, – it. this quarterback kind of reminds me a little bit of – Oh man, I, I I really am drawing a blank on who it was, but Louisville played a backup where they just got in and they were deer in the headlights and just stiff as a board in the game. What wasn't really Is that last um, year or two years? It was like no, it was last year. I cannot remember who it was. Did NC um, State. It might have been NC State. It might have been yeah, because they had three, they went down three or four quarters. Yeah, so so yeah, yeah, that's what it was because MJ Morris was supposed to play U of L and then he was out and the. True freshman was in. It was Bo Finley, right? Wasn't it Drew or uh, Ryan Finley's younger Ryan brother? Finley's younger yes. brother. And, you and he just there was no way he was just there, and it was unfortunate. He he just got put in a bad spot. And I I think that this team has momentum. They're hungry. They come in with the right mindset. One more week, get to the bye week, then we can take you know not take our foot off the gas, but we don't have to. We can have a week to where we can kind of reevaluate, reassess. This week, this is the game historically that worries me about. Jeff that worries me about Jeff Brom. It's the Northwesterns, it's the Illinois, it's the Rutgers that cause some of the problems on Purdue's schedules for so many years. And I'm not saying that Jeff Brom has a very talented team and his team has the approach to go out there and play one game at a time. But after you've played this many games in a, in a row, you're coming off of a very big uh, emotional high. You're going out on the road to a team that's one and four. I don't know what the weather is, but I bet it's not going to be like pretty football weather. It's probably going to be cold. Uh, they're playing on the CW, right? Like, I mean, that's not exciting. It's just one of those really dreaded, CW uniforms. Dreaded fall. Yeah, I heard they're going <laughs> to roll out the CW uniforms. <laughs> What's your favorite show from CW, Vince? Do you even know a show from CW? Uh, what was the one back in the day? The old Superman one. Uh, uh, Smallville used to be on CW. Yeah, Flash yeah, is yeah. on CW. Uh. I'm a superhero yeah. guy, man. They have a lot of DC stuff over there. I I I think was it 90210 was on that that uh maybe that was Fox. I don't know. Uh there was um the Gilmore Girls, I'm pretty sure was a CW special. Uh Flash, that's a good one. There's a couple of like sci-fi like love shows. Um, what about was uh um oh man, I, I want to say Seventh Heaven. That's not what it was called. There was a show when we were young kids that was on CW that was super, super popular. I don't, I, oh my gosh, I'm really drawing a blank on it. Uh, that's really, I'm, I gotta Google this. Hold on. My favorite thing, like, whenever I say, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. When I say CW suits, how like things are always just like bulkier and like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, seventh heaven. They're trying to that's do a Kabeel. large scale production of something on a small budget. Yeah. Like, that would just be hilarious if like Louisville's, everything looked like that while we were watching, just like, what the fuck? Yeah, that'd the- be nice to be on a different station though. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be different just to, to just. To How do we get on the CW? It's an ACC contract this year. It's a new thing. I'm, I mean, I'm here for the no more ACC uh, right. network extras. Who is the commentator? Do we know who is on the broadcast for this? Because I'm not that. sure who the well, CW is affiliated. I'm here for with. a Toy Story game. We should do a Louisville Toy Story game. That'd be Man, lit. That was so. I know cool. you're you want that one so bad for your kids. <laughs> we watched it. The kids liked it. Um, it was awesome. Ruby really liked it. Liam is still like he was just running into the wall, anyways. Whether there was football, or not. yeah, that's right. Um, okay, back to back to Pittsburgh though. But, I was going to say before before we get too far ahead. Sorry, Ben Finley was the was the quarterback for NC State last year. Uh, he had a lot of a lot of 
not controversy necessarily, but he wasn't with the team for a little bit before the season last year, ended up playing out of necessity because they had three players hurt, uh, was just absolutely god-awful against Louisville. He finished the season last year 52.8% with three touchdowns and three picks. He has since transferred to Cal, and it appears he's playing quite a bit at Cal. Uh, oh, so he's, he's the uh, the replacement for Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer, that's right. Look so at he's, this. He's 49 for 79, 62%, 533 yards. That's good for 6.7 yards per attempt. Uh, and he has thrown for three touchdowns, four interceptions for a rate of 121.1, which is uh, almost the highest of his career. So, Wow. Interesting. Really, really balling out there. All yeah. out on the West Coast, man. Uh, Supernatural is on the CW. I forgot. That's my favorite. Supernatural. That was the what, one. Okay. Was... All right. Regardless, what I want to see from the cards of this game, boys, is they have to come out and hit them in the mouth early. This mm-hmm. is a, this is a game where you come out on the first drive, the first series, and you just say, "Okay, this is how it's going to be, boys. We we are going to roll over you." Like th- this is how it's and it's foot on the throat the entirety of the game. And that's what you don't have to worry about with the Jeff Brom coach team, in my opinion, is that he's going to take the foot off the gas on anything. I think he is just going to keep it going, keep it rolling, and it's going to be more of a, you know, he might sub the twos and the threes in at some point come the fourth quarter, third, fourth quarter, but it won't be a – you won't see the offense slow down. You won't see him, you know, hold any cards to his hand. It's going to be the offense ran how the offense is supposed to be ran. So I uh I, I want just one thing, which is kind of going backwards here. This was really wasn't a part of Vince's game notes, but um I, I would like it if we could maybe do Brock Doman in that run package instead of Evan Conley. Like no, no. shout out to Evan, but he had he had a hip surgery. That's man. so like, BS, on, man. man. That's uh, my guy is catching flack for that on Twitter. That's horseshit. If we set up the blocking better, Evan Conley gets that damn first down. Set the edge better. Okay, That's but- on the blockers up front, not on Evan Conley. I'm not. I will go to bat for him any day of the week on that play. That's fair. I'll give you that. Good for you. You are such a good friend. I will give you that. That's but not me my being a good friend. Is, That's me looking at the damn offensive line and realizing they're not getting a block. What are like, I just, I, I think through all the scenarios of the quarterbacks that we have like on the roster and look again, Evan was fantastic when he came in as a backup, did his part to really, really own that leadership, be that kind of coach in the, in the, in the room with the quarterbacks Great guy. Really enjoyed being around him this summer when we got to hang out with him a little bit. Um, but he's like me. Like, he's like a 30-year-old college veteran. It's the seventh year of college. Like, he's a little worn out, a little tired, had hip surgery. So, you know, he's moving a little slower. I love that. He Like, it says a lot that he's he has worked his way back. Ford truck that doesn't break down anymore and just freak. You just add a little bit of motor oil. And that thing, once it's going, it's going. And it ain't stopping. That's great, man. Um uh, for me, on the other side of the ball, um, or I guess not on the other side of the ball, but with the offense, it's all about can the offensive line come still ready to attack. I know, Presley, I think you tweeted it out from the State of Louisville account, or maybe it was somebody else, but Brian Hudson has not practiced for two weeks, was injured, still played every snap. Um, just get to the bye week, right? Get to the bye week with that injury. But know that when you're playing Pittsburgh – their strongest area on their team is the interior of their defensive line. That is what they do. It is what the Pat Narduzzi special is year after year. It's different names. It's different numbers, but it's the same scheme. It's the same thing. So make sure 
whether you're Eric Miller, whether you're Renato Brown, whether you you are Michael Gonzalez, whether you are uh, Brian Hudson, or whether you are a Willie Tyler. You need to be prepared, ready to come and go, no snaps off, foot on the gas, be prepared and knowing that Pittsburgh is going to try to come after Jack Plummer. Give him the time, and the rest of this will take care of itself because as a defense, Pittsburgh um, – is is as we mentioned, they're they're okay. Twentieth total defense, seventeenth in passing yards allowed, and only allowing one hundred and seventy three yards per game. But again, I told you all that some of those numbers are skewed. They've allowed big games to Virginia Tech's quarterback. They allowed big games to Drake May. Can Jack Plummer do enough to stay consistent, stay hot, stay moving the ball? Let Jaws and the rest of those playmakers carry the rest for you. Um, because when you get into the red zone, when you really get down to uh, one, Pittsburgh doesn't turn you over. They are 117th in the country and turnovers gained by the defense. They have four turnovers gained on the season. Blue was 14 as a defense and they are ranked third. So that's another element of this that just kind of, Again, it kind of plays into Louisville is much better than this team on paper. The problem is paper is not Pittsburgh on a on a Saturday night on the CW. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how this goes. So come ready. Every snap, have that look in your face. Let's ready. Let's rock and roll. Let's go up there. Let's beat some Pittsburgh Panthers ass. I'd love those blue and yellow uniforms, but let's fucking walk out of there just dominating those things, man. Make them freaking dirty as hell and make them fight and claw for everything that they get. Like, that's just the way it's got to be. So no respect to a team that has to play in an NFL stadium. Get Bill Bill Darrell Stadium. So there, there's a few things that I would bring up uh, in regards to this game. Number one, uh, we talked about this with with Gigi Robinson uh, last year or the year before. Uh, there's two games that Louisville plays this year on the road that are a challenge because of of the weather and because of the field conditions. Uh, and there are field conditions that are a struggle for the NFL teams as well, and that's Pittsburgh and Miami. Uh, notoriously, always have just messed up fields. And oftentimes it's because they're just these NFL stadiums that are high use. Uh, you know, they're the real grass stadiums, and they get a lot of wear and tear. Uh, and then if you factor bad weather into the mix, all of a sudden you get just an absolute mess. And, you know, these players are used to – I mean, I know you practice on grass – but it's a little bit different, uh, and, and that's just something they'll have to get used to. You know, you'll, uh, Vince, you can probably speak to this better than me, but they'll probably each have a couple of pairs of cleats. You know, they'll be ready to rock and roll before the game, but something to keep in mind. The other thing to, to keep in mind as well, and Jeff Rum brought this up today in his press conference. Uh, when he was at Purdue, they beat three top three teams while he was there, and every single time the game after that, they went out and lost. Um, now with that in mind, it's important to remember who they played, uh, in 2018, they beat Ohio state, Ohio state, 49 to 20 trounced them. And then they, they had to go to East Lansing to play Michigan state the next week, uh, for a nooner. So that was a late night ABC game against Ohio state crushed them. Then they go to Michigan state the next week for a sleepy noon game. And they lost 23 to 13. Uh, then you go fast forward to 2021. Uh, they beat number two Iowa, uh, ABC game at Iowa, 24 to seven. But then they went back to West Lafayette and got crushed by Wisconsin. Uh, and then finally, uh, they had a game in 2021. Is that right? 2021. There's one more that, that I'm missing here. Um, 
But their they third Michigan State, uh, Michigan State was Michigan. number five. Yeah, Michigan State was. Yeah, I believe they were number three. They were like in the in uh, playoff contention. But then the next week they played Ohio State and got that Iowa game makes you want to vomit. Doesn't so twenty one to seven, right? right. With all Jeff of that is so time, much more, but he's so much more built for this conference and this way of winning versus that. Right. This is right. points, points, well, and, points, and, points, points, and, points, and you know. To, Yes, in a sense, but to kind of play off that as well, they've won the last two weeks playing NC State style and playing Notre Dame style. They didn't win Louisville's way necessarily. Uh, you know, like when, when you go back and look at, you know, my notes, I had like 2,500 words in the pregame uh, leading up to Notre Dame. And I talked a lot about, you know, I thought that there was going to, you know, Brum was going to be in his bag. And, and yes, they went into different areas of the playbook that they hadn't touched yet. Absolutely. Uh, some of those runs for Jawar were absolutely new plays. Uh, some of the pitches, as you, you already mentioned, both of you guys mentioned that during the game notes segment. Um, so there were new new wrinkles to the offense, but there was nothing gimmicky about that at all. They just straight up dominated them on the, on both sides of the, of the line, like point blank period. Uh, so with that in mind, I mean, I just think that the Brum has a better quality team, like top to bottom. They have better players, better depth. I mean, when you go over this roster and you compare it to Purdue's last season, a Purdue team, mind you, that won their side of the conference and went to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, you know, there's probably, you know, obviously Aiden O'Connell and um, Charlie Jones, and a couple of guys on the defense are going to start for this little team. Everywhere else, though, I mean, you you have a serious step up in talent. And not only Specifically that. Specifically at running back, Presley. That's mm, like yeah. – that is the key right here that Jeff has not had in a while at Purdue. And this is going back to Ace Wells, who's a GA now for our team at Western Kentucky. Like, the rushing attack with Jaws, Mo, and Isaac is something – that he is just having fun with at this point. It's right. like a, it's like a kid with a new toy. It's it's so wild to see. It's not you're not seeing him morph. And I've told you guys multiple times. Brian told us uh, in our alumni meeting that it's not uh, we're not a passing offense. We're not an air raid offense. You know, we're we're a pro style offense is what they say. Like they just you know they run plays that work. They run plays that score. They run plays that get guys open. If they want to throw a trick play in here, they'll throw a trick play in here. Uh, and, and, but I, I really think the difference for Jeff this year in particular is having a steady run game that he can rely on one that he knows that if he needs six, like the play that he called earlier where, you know, uh, Dwayne got the block and we got a long run from jaws, like that's something that he probably has not had the past however many years. Right. Right. And, and so I, I guess I go back to that. Uh, and, and I think it's important that, that Jeff pointed that out during the press conference, like he's very cognizant of, you know, what it takes now to make sure that his team is on the right side of history after a big win like that. And it just means that much more, you know, I was listening to, uh, to Blankenbaker uh, on the way to the airport this morning and he was talking about, um, you know, he's, he, after the game went back to the caboose where Brahms uh, agent typically resides after the game to congratulate him. Yeah. And what, what's his name again? I'm so sorry. John Frabert. There you go. So John was sitting in there eating some chili. And Sean. Sean. I'm sorry. Sean 
was sitting there eating some chili, and apparently hopefully not Matt's chili, right? It wasn't Matt's chili. Okay, good. It was, good. It was good. Skyline or better, is what I okay. was told. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he just looks over and there's Jeff just hanging out, you know, just upset Notre Dame top 10 team. And he's just chilling, talking football with people for hours after the game. Like he's a football guy. He's a Louisville guy. And it's so important because we talk about, um, you know, Scott Satterfield made such a big deal out of, and it is important to make sure that, that, you know, your guys get to spend time with their family, that they get to have time away from the game, all of that. Brom is, is he's living it like he's lit like Louisville and Jeff Brom are synonymous with each other like it, it they're they're just running cohesively so there's no like time play you know yeah, yeah this is this is home for him so one can't no, exist without the other <laughs> yeah exactly so he's not spending time away from he wants to stay at the stadium he wants to hang out like his family's there like I, I was I was joking about you know you don't see Brady Brum all game. And then all of a sudden we're going out to shake hands and here comes Brady charging out into the middle of the field. Like it looked like Brady looked like he just, you know, he just took off the pads. He was playing both sides of the ball. He looked like, it was like Michael Bush after the, the Bush Brum uh, 2003 matchup, uh, just like exhausted going out to shake the coach's hand. Yeah. Um, I love seeing, but, I love seeing Oscar pregame before that Presley, whenever Brian's number was getting retired, you saw the full, it's really cool seeing – I saw him, you know, before the game last weekend tailgating or uh, whatever, two weekends ago, mm-hmm. tailgating, and just talking to him and hearing the emotion and how happy he is for his boys out there. Like, it's almost unheard of mm-hmm. what's kind of going on right now. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, I think – but I think that's all important to take into consideration, right? Like it just means more. It's and I like it's stupid to it's not stupid to say, but like it, you shouldn't have to say that. It should always mean more for your head football coach. Right, but right, with right. just this situation being born and raised here, I mean it's it just means a lot more. Yeah, I mean that's just it's that's not the nature of the way that, that college sports are now, right? It's you know, yeah. they have these big time agents and and it's their job to get them the best deal. And they're they're going to take whatever job, well, not always, but most of the time, if it's a suitable position for them, they're going to go wherever the money is. I mean, you look at you know any you know just name an assistant coach in, in college football or basketball. It's very rare to see somebody there three, four, five years in a row. So when you have a Jeff Brom, when you have a Mark Ivy, when you have a Brian Brom, uh, you know you, you you have a situation that that could potentially be very special. And so, yeah, I'm glad we had this talk because I feel a lot more comfortable about the pit game. Like when you hear that stat, though, it's a little jarring. Like, okay, Purdue has upset three top three teams in the last six years. And every time they went on to not only lose, but lose big in the next game. And so he's going to use that. You know, he's going to he's using that all week. But it's interesting to, to hear him acknowledging that right away. At least he's very, you know, aware of it. I'd hate for him, you know, not to be aware. Of, yeah, yeah, you know, the obvious, the elephant in the room. Well, I mean, sometimes you can be aware and not bring it up. You know, like uh, like Pitt's coach, you know, not wanting to talk about interceptions. I exactly. bet he didn't talk about that all year. Exactly, exactly. 
All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about predictions. We will roll into where we predict the game. And Wait, where are we at on uh, scores and stuff, Jacob? Oh, I'm getting at? there. You, you calm down. Hear... You you calm no, down, no, okay? No, Look, I, I finally get, get a leg right up. For once. I finally get a leg up, and I just want to hear it. Skip. I'm skipping. We, all, we are all tied. It is six to six to six to six. Vince is the only one that recorded a point last week. No one got the correct number of sacks. Nobody got the correct number of uh, points uh, for victory besides Vince. So, Vince, Mm. tied up. Here we go. Level playing field. Let's go. Halfway through. Somebody eventually has to separate themselves here. uh, And we will see what that looks like down the stretch of the season. I hit up Sam before the game, and I said, I really need this point. I really, really need this point. Can I get a couple picks? And he got me. He came through for you, bro. Sam always comes. Sam, I am. Sam, I am. All right, this week we head into it tied up. We will predict the score, and I pivoted a little bit uh, because we continue to predict a lot of the same things. So this week, scoring Jaws touchdowns, okay? We're going to have to come up with some new stats to predict because we're running out of things. Uh, and I probably shouldn't do this five minutes before we start. But that's just way the way that goes. When you get these stats and you pull in this information that I did, and I laid it out so beautifully in the show sheet for everybody tonight. Some things just get missed, and that's the way it is. Let's start with Matt. He is not here. He has provided a prediction. He has the cards winning this game 31-21 to 21 and believes that Jaws will enter the end zone one time in Pittsburgh, which is more times than any running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers has entered the end zone in Pittsburgh this year, I'm pretty sure. So with that being <laughs> said, Presley, you are the guest of the show. We would love to hear your prediction first. You know, coming in, I was much of the same mindset as Matt. Uh, Matt is pretty much like we've really kind of picked along the same lines all season. But if you go back, even going back to last year, I feel you like just follow the big name Jays. You just follow the crowd. You me just, and Baker over here. Me and Baker riding. We think very similarly, and I don't know why. I don't know why that is, but I will give a bit bolder of a prediction this week. And I'm going to go Louisville wins 37 to 17. And I'm going to go with two touchdowns for Jawar Jordan. And we're counting receiving and rushing, right? Yes. Number of times that he enters the uh, end zone. And I I will clarify that with one Matt McGavick, but I don't think his answer will change. Let me make sure. Yes. 37, 17 cards, two touchdowns for Jawar. There we go. And I'll, I'll go even more specific, even though this doesn't count. And I'll say one passing. One one rushing. Okay. Okay. I like that. All right, Vince, you get to go last since you are the king of the week. I'll go next. Uh, I think that the goal in this game should be to get backups in. This is that kind of team. I'm not saying that you overlooked them, but I'm saying you go into this with the intention of we want our backups to play. This is an opportunity for snaps for guys who need it. One of the tweets we got tonight, Presley, from uh, the question that you put out from the State of Louisville account in terms of what is concerning to you, what might stand out. One of the mentions um, in this was the lack of snaps by guys like Popeye, Keith Brown, some of these guys who are just not getting out on the field a lot. This game gives us the opportunity to rotate guys, get more depth in there, get more snaps, get more opportunity. I think Louisville's going to blow this one out. I think late Pittsburgh might score a touchdown to make it a little closer on paper. They definitely cover the eight points that they're being given right now, or eight and a half in the spread. Uh, I got Louisville 34, Pittsburgh 13, and I have two touchdowns total for Jaws. And I'm like Presley. I think one will be rushing and one will be run, uh, being uh, received and caught into the end zone. All right, champ. is here. It's nice to finally get one right, boys. It's nice. 
I'd be lying to you. Well, to That's be- what I was thinking about flooding field. To be fair, you've gotten six right. You have gotten six right, but we all yeah, have been right. But most you know, weeks. Yeah, yeah. you just pick Louisville to win every week. That's why honestly, it's more <laughs> nice to hear you guys be wrong. Well, I don't just pick Louisville to win every week. I'm sorry, I'm confident in our team. Like me and Baker Mayfield over here. Who would have thought, man? Who would have thought we think alike? I'm gonna go forty-two to seven. Good guys, and I'm gonna go. Mm, I think Jaws is going to have four touchdowns. You're talking about a real Heisman like moment here. Of, yeah, like, I know statement. Pittsburgh's not that great, but yes, statement Effort. in terms of Effort. numbers, metrics. Effort. Yeah, man, I'm here for it. Your extreme never is wrong. What have ever, I ever been no. wrong? Ever. Never, no. So you're tied up, clearly. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, totally understand that. Never happened. Yeah, that's right. Again, what, what year was that? I've never even heard of her. Um, yeah, it's an interesting game. And one thing I did want to point out, I just – put my notebook away but i had a stat that i wanted to share with you all um and i saw um there not a stat but just something to note and again don't know where i put my notes here we go this weekend a lot of football to watch this weekend but here are the three games that you need to be watching for outside of louisville okay duke will play nc state this weekend i believe that is a home game for duke uh and then duke will have florida state next weekend followed uh by louisville the following weekend fsu has Syracuse in Tallahassee this weekend. Florida State has the lead on the conference. Technically, it is a tie between Louisville and Florida State, but they are the fourth-ranked team in the country. They are a legitimate playoff contender. Got to keep an eye off on uh, keep an eye on them at this point. And then we will have a, one of our biggest games of the season from a conference standpoint. And that's number twelve UNC against number twenty-five Miami. That game would have looked a lot different had Miami not lost on a play of the last drive. I mean, come on. I heard today on the radio, I think is where I heard it, that they called him Mario take it uh Mario Neal the ball instead of Mario Cristobal. Like just freaking Dude, awesome, man. What are you doing? Football is the best. Like because Football's Football, not that hard. It's exa- that, that's the point, though. Like, you weed out half of the people because they have to overthink it, where people like you are like, no, just run through somebody, and if you come out with a concussion on the other side, we'll figure it out later. Like, that's just football. You know what you, you signed know? up for. Exactly right. I Big mean, weekend. like, bro, like, you get in a situation like that, and I could – who? what am I saying? Like, if I'm in that situation, who knows? I could be telling somebody to run the ball. But I did see a coach in his right ear saying, take a knee, take a knee, take a knee. Like, if you don't have the wherewithal to listen to your assistants in that moment, like, I mean, come on, dude. That's the, like, the, I mean, one thing I remember being on the headset is just talking through, hearing coaches talk through plays and stuff. Like, yeah, you got, you, you have, he makes $10 million a year, guys. Think about that. Yeah. $10 million a year. And I wish I could, you know, make that much money and still get, you know, get, what's his buyout? That's what I want to know. Cause we're going to be talking about that here in like two years, Mario. Probably, we'll see, honestly, man. probably. We'll see. They they expect they have higher expectations, and I mean, they just landed like a top five receiver in the class yesterday. After that mean nothing, if you can't no. freaking right. Oh, I, I know, I know. But the the, the the point being, those Miami boosters are still dropping plenty plenty of cash. He's the golden child, um, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. The, the yeah, la- I mean. last thing to get into real fast. Something very important to keep in mind. So I talked about those field conditions on Saturday. As of right now, the forecast is a high of 58 with an 88% chance of rain. So it's going to be in the low 50s, high 40s during the game with almost 100% chance of rain, 11 mile per hour consistent wind, 
it's going to be a beautiful day in Pittsburgh. Something to watch. <laughs> All I'm saying is it's something to watch. Um, that's good from a perspective of I don't think Pitt fans are going to show up anyway, so it's just going to be this just like sleepy, gross, sloppy game. So even more reason to be looking out for Louisville, you know, take care of the ball on offense and just be super disruptive on defense uh, and just muck it up. Muck it up. Just make it make it ugly. Slobberknocker. Let's go win a screams. It screams four touchdowns for Jaws. Yeah, it does. It kind of does. It kind of does. does. It kind of does. All right. Well, that's going to wrap the show up here. Another great week of From the Pink Seats podcast. Can't thank you all enough for tuning in. If you like the show, please, if you hate the show even, please rate and review. Uh, We can't thank you enough for doing that. Supporting us goes a long way and supporting the Louisville football program. Doesn't seem like it, but it does. I promise. That's just the rules, the math. That's how it works. Continue to, to follow along. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. Check out the, at the State of Lou on Twitter, at Pink Seats Pod, at UFL Report is where you can find Matt's work um, and subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel because we need we need some more views there. That's what we need. We need to pad those stats, baby. YouTube's fun. It is. It is. We will uh, we will be back next week, hopefully talking about a 7-0 team heading into a bye week uh, where you might get a couple episodes of Where Are They Now? I don't know. Never say never. We'll Who see. Knows? Thank you all so much, and we will uh, catch up with you next week. Check out Kern's Corner if you haven't. Best burger and best chili in the city of Louisville. Go check them out. We'll catch you next week. Go Cards. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.